Chapter Seventeen of Maybe Tomorrow by J. Little. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kurt Troutwine. Chapter Seventeen. About five blocks from the bar where Paul had taken Gaylord was the apartment of Jean Limbeau. It was in the heart of the old French Quarter, nestled there close to the cathedral and whitewashed cafes. He too had lived life's gallantries and its despairs its varying tides its random collisions and its shifting incidental terrains but here amid the blend of many races french creole negro and irish he had found his place to live and grow old jean limbeau was half french and half jewish he was short and his moon-faced countenance was as plump as a stomach his skin was fair and hairless his womanly eyes were encrusted with deep crow's feet and his lips were very thick he didn't look his forty-five years, even though his brown hair was quite gray around the temples. He wore a pair of nile-green lounging pajamas, and around his expanding waist was a long gold cord with tassels almost touching the carpet. He was alone in the bathroom, curling his short eyelashes with a lash curler when the phone rang. At the sound, he threw his hand against his flabby chest and shrieked, Ah! Oh, as if frightened. Coming, Mary! he sang out loud going to the phone he drew in his stomach god he cried getting fat and with disgust he felt the roll of flesh around his waist picked up the receiver common speaking he sputtered in a high voice oh paul it's you how are you darling i was just making myself beautiful for you oh you have you're lucky bring him along maybe just my type he giggled oh you do huh here i thought you loved me he smirked a silly laugh you're a dear i knew i could get a little compliment out of you if i tried hard enough where are you that's marvelous he turned the large ring on his little finger darling you come right over and bring your friend i'll light a candle and stick it in the window for you another cry of giggles stick it where now honey you know me better than that strictly a french artist that's me he cried with delight like a flustered old maid who had just been pinched on the cheek for the first time. All right, baby, you all come right on over. I'll be waiting. Bye now. He hung up the phone and hurried back to the bathroom, humming in a high falsetto voice. Standing in front of the purple door, Gaylord touched Paul's arm. Are you sure it's all right? he whispered. I'm sure, and if I'm any judge, you'll like Jean. Paul smiled and knocked. The door opened slightly. Jean cried, Paul! And flung it open come on in i'm so glad you two are here there's no one here yet we can sit and dish i haven't seen you in centuries he smiled at gaylord i'm glad you could come too jean this is gay paul said warmly so glad paul brought you gay come on in you two they went inside and jean asked do you live here in new orleans no ma'am he grinned shyly i i live in texas texas huh jean grinned and looked at paul and said come on in i don't know what in the hell we're standing here for sit down and i'll fix us a drink gaylord didn't look at jean though he knew he was still looking at him he stared around the room shadows fell and moved across the furniture as the candles flickered slightly the room was large and full of antiques marble-topped tables covered with hand-drawn doilies dominated the french chairs and the arms of a worn divan on each end of the divan was a marble-top commode they were low and each graced a tall silver candelabra 
eighteen-inch candles stood erect and majestically in their sockets, their flickering glow falling on a marble fireplace and an elaborate goldly-framed mirror with two cherubs on top center. The walls were lined with paintings, some good, some bad. All were nudes. From the center of the high ceiling, a crystal chandelier glistened, not from its own light, but from the flickering lights of the many candles. It was all beautiful to Gaylord. He had a confused impression of flowing silks, glittering jewels, scepters, and other symbols of royalty, of exquisite flowers lavishly adorning the tabletops of fine porcelain. Then, as he stood hesitantly, Jean said again, Sit down, you two. Get comfy. Take your clothes off if you want to. What do you want to drink? Your mother's got scotch, gin, or bourbon. We've been drinking bourbon, Jean, said Paul. They sat on the divan. What or a Coke? Jean asked. Both with Coke, replied Paul. It was only a few minutes until he was back in the room carrying three ruby tumblers. Here you are. One for you, Paul. Gay. And one for the old madam. Phew, he said on a chair. I'm pooped. Came home from work and had to clean the apartment. You've got a beautiful place, Gaylord said. Like it? Jean was slumped on one of the pillows, breathing heavily. It's a mess, but thanks for saying so anyway. I worked until quite late, then came home and cleaned up this whore's nest. That black bitch Gertie promised she'd clean this afternoon. Didn't show up, though. Just like a damn nigger. He caught his breath. So, honey, your mother's been working like mad ever since she came home from the office. You've some lovely antiques, grinned Gaylord, admiring a French table. Just a pile of junk. Now, Jane, you know you love ever peace in here, spoke of Paul. Guess I do at that. Then he burst out. Love of a piece I've had here, too. Jean and Paul laughed. Gaylord didn't understand, but he followed suit. Thank God he felt a little better than he did in the club. He was afraid he was going to be sick, but the night air and the walk had done miracles. Where in the hell have you been, Paul? I haven't seen you for weeks. No place. Been home nearly every evening. Didn't feel up to pa. But I've called you practically every day. Yes, I know you did, but I still want you to come by. Jean said seriously. I was so upset when I heard what Arnold did. Let's forget about Arnold, Jean, Paul almost whispered. Then, looking at Gaylord, he winked. How's the drink? Better than those at the club. Paul laughed, said. They sure are. He took out a cigarette, lighted it, and handed it to Gaylord. Then he drew out another and smoked contemplatively. He seemed to be considering something. He shot Gaylord a glance or two and then asked rather suddenly, do you like me? A little? I like you a whole lot, Paul. He took a puff on his cigarette and blew the smoke out through his mouth. Jean began blabbing about getting too fat, and Gaylord sat watching his two new friends. He almost giggled when he thought of Jean calling himself their mother. It sounded funny coming from the fat little man in green pajamas. There were so many things that had been said that he didn't understand. Their phrases were so strange. Still... In this museum setting, he felt relaxed, a little dizzy, perhaps, but at ease. How long are you going to be in New Orleans, honey? Jean asked. Until Monday, I think. I'm not sure when Dad is going to leave. You and Paul come by tomorrow for cocktails. That is, if you don't have anything else planned. I'm going to show Gay the town tomorrow. Would you like to come along? Paul asked. Your mother had better stay here. I'll probably be up all night. You know how these parties are. But if you're around tomorrow afternoon, come on up. There's always a drink around. We might do that, thanks, 
Paul turned to Gaylord. Didn't I tell you this old deer was a peach game? Please, he shrieked. I don't mind the deer, honey, but don't ever say old to your mother. Gene tossed his head back. Moisturizing a finger between his lips, he ran over each eyebrow. Gaylord remembered he had done the same thing many times. I'm not old, honey. Just been used a lot. Here, let me fix us another drink before... The doorbell screamed. Too late. The faggots are here. He grinned and walked to the door and opened it. Entrevoy, screamed Jean at those in the hall. Looking back at Gaylord, he said with a chuckle, Isn't my French lovely, honey? Gaylord laughed and looked at Paul, who moved toward him at the same time. Mother, darling, I love that you look, shrieked a feminine voice, but it belonged to a young boy who had just entered the room. He glided over to Jean, who was holding out his hand majestically. Cleo, baby, come kiss your mother. God, do I have to? Listen, bitch, kiss me and shut up. Oh, well, Cleo kissed Jean's fat cheek. Don't put yourself out, whore. Okay, mother, we've made an impression. Now I'll kiss you the way I should. He gave Jean a loud smack on the lips. Mmm, laughed Jean. That's better. Come here, girl. You know Paul, and this is gay. Hi, Paul. Where in the hell have you been? In jail? I haven't seen you in months, he cried, going over and shaking his hand. He came to Gaylord and held out his hand. Well, Miss Limbo, where did you find this handsome lover? He patted Gaylord's extended hand. I'm sorry for you, laughed Jean. I wish Gay was mine, honey, but he belongs to Paul. No wonder you've been in hiding. If I had your honey, I'd keep you locked up. A cunning frown circled the light green eyes. Live here? No, stuttered Gaylord. Cleo smiled at him and went over to Paul, sat on the arm of the divan. I've missed seeing you around, baby. What happened to that awful Arnold? I couldn't stand, huh? Jean spoke quickly. We're not going to talk about the past this evening, so you keep your big mouth shut, Theodore. Theodore, she calls me. Cleo looked at Gaylord. You know, honey, my real name is Theodore. Isn't that butch? It's too much for me. It's too much for anyone, laughed Jean. Well, then, why don't you forget it? It shuts that big mouth of yours. Come on over here and I'll fix you a drink. I want to grope you anyway. Come on, Theodore. Again, she says it, laughed Cleo. All right, whore. You mean my profession shows that plain? I'm an expensive whore, though, Miss Limbo. Got any scotch? Sure, I've got some scotch, and here's a penny, too. It's more than you've ever gotten for that snatch of yours, cried Jean, twisting the ring on his little finger. Can't get ahead of that girl, Cleo grinned at Gaylord. She knows all the answers. She should, though. He's old enough. Cleo took out a cigarette, lighted it, and walked over toward Jean. I wish I had some quick poison to put in that drink, Paul. Wouldn't bother a bit. Did you say scotch, honey? Jean asked. Yes, girl, you know me. Love that scotch. You would, bitch. Gene snickered as he mixed the drink. First class, all the way, or nothing. Nothing, huh? And Gene burst out in a loud laugh. It was the first masculine laugh he had uttered. Are they mad at each other? Gaylord whispered to Paul. Lord, no. They go on like this all the time. Oh, very good friends. You'd never believe it to hear them talk. How do you feel, Gay? Paul asked, touching the other's thigh. Think I'm getting dizzy again. Don't let me get drunk, Paul. I won't. His hand lingered on Gaylord's leg. Will you get me back to the hotel? 
Sure, don't worry. Have fun. A loud knock on the door almost made Jean drop the glass he was holding. Mercy, he cried. These manly faggots are driving me crazy. He wobbled to the door, and Gaylord noticed, for the first time, he wore golden sandals. What's going on in here? questioned a deep masculine voice from the hall. We're just having a mad daisy chain, officer, laughed Jean. You wouldn't arrest a girl for having a little fun, would you? He looked back into the room, into the half-frightened faces of Cleo and Paul. Then he laughed with delight, crying, Don't look so death-like, girls. I'm only fooling. Come on in, kids, before Miss Cleo has a miscarriage. Three youths of about the same age walked into the room. Cleo walked up to them. Tom, you wicked doll, scam me half to death. I thought you were Tilly Law. Going to the smallest of the three boys, he said, Jerry, how gay you look in that blonde switch. It's lighter than it was, isn't it? No, it's the same shade it's been for months, replied Jerry. After a faint embrace, Cleo's hand slipped from the tiny waist of Jerry and grabbed the hand of the third boy. He was very masculine, very handsome, and the muscles of his body showed plainly beneath the thin shirt. The expression on his chiseled face was one of keen interest as he looked at Gaylord. Claude, you handsome darling, Cleo cried at him. You in that deep voice, he laughed, patting Claude's large bony hand. How are you, Cleo? Claude said in his deep grave voice, at the same time giving the hand a tight squeeze. Damn, not so tight, squealed Cleo. I'm a frail girl, remember? Hello, Paul, they all three greeted. Hi, kids grinned Paul. He moved a little on the divan. Paul then introduced them to Gaylord. They shook hands, and Jean mixed them all a drink. It wasn't long before they occupied the large red pillows scattered on the floor. All were laughing and talking at the same time. Claude put down the magazine he had been looking at and walked over toward Gaylord, said to him, Having fun? I'm having fun. Jean always has such good parties. Makes everyone feel so much at home. I love to come here. He took a drink from the glass he held and sat on one of the pillows close to Gaylord's feet. Gaylord stared idly at him. He looked at Jean, but preferred the scene below. Looking at Claude seemed to put him closer to life than looking at Jean. He looked at Paul, who was talking to Cleo, and then back again below. Jean's got a nice place here. He sure does. Do you live here? Here? I mean New Orleans. No, I live in Texas. Paul brought me here. Oh, I'm glad he did. I am too. I don't know anyone here in New Orleans. You do now. Gay? It was Paul. How's your drink? Half full. I don't think I better drink any more. I'll take care of you. Have fun. Paul pressed himself closely against him. What have you been doing, Claude? Nothing, Claude answered. Same old one and two. Several more men entered the room, and then some more, until the room was quite filled with the shrill voices, heavy-scented perfumes, long fingernails, painted faces, plucked eyebrows, swishing hips, and cigarette smoke hanging between the laughing, chattering, drinking, moving figures. Claude, how about playing the piano, huh? asked Paul. Do you play? questioned Gaylord. He looked down at the youth on the red pillow at his feet, looked down into the pair of eyes that were staring back. A little. Claude said, still gazing into Gaylord's eyes, his hands gently caressing Gaylord's ankle. Would you like me to play? He asked, his fingers digging deep into the soft skin. I'd love to hear you play. Your wish is my command. 
he didn't even look at paul but kept his gaze on gaylord what do you like anything claude arose and went to the piano he ran his long fingers over the ivory keys the room suddenly became quiet he began to play wagner's music then chopin he played beautifully and seemed to live the music he closed his eyes as did some of the others nothing but the strains of chopin could be heard in the room paul drew gaylord closer to him and pressed his arm firmly around his waist gaylord didn't think it would be polite to separate himself from him so he remained still didn't want to hurt his feelings he hardly knew what to do but he didn't mind the music was so lovely so loving jean sat dreaming of the past on the arm of a chair stroking the blonde-headed jerry others squatted on the large red pillows their hands stealing over the nearest figure feeling groping in the candle-lighted room searching for hidden secrets treasures gaylord didn't look into the face so close to his but he felt the warm breath on his neck he knew without looking that it was paul's breath it was as if they were obeying unspoken orders now there was nothing to do except the one thing that was in both their minds he felt a stiffness within him when his lips almost met the others a little shudder when a strange hand began to run up his leg under his trousers he didn't want paul to kiss him but what could he do a loud knock on the door broke the silent spell the music had brought to the noisy room paul sat up and claude stopped playing and walked over and sat at gaylord's feet again another knock jean the door someone said come on in dear the shrill cry of jean came from the dock corner i'm busy with a guest he shouted still fingering the blond-haired boy the other hand on the boy's lap the blond boy cried jean you're running up a bill got some money commercial money everybody wants money he laughed then shouted again come on in the door's not locked an elderly man came in accompanied by a youth said you're a hell of a hostess jean mary get you when did you ever come to the door for me never stop acting like a queen then and come on in and get yourself a drink all right the man said hi everybody hi everything's on the bar darling help yourself the man followed by the young boy went to the bar suddenly everyone was talking again a buzzing came from everywhere someone turned on the radio girls when claude plays i get so carried away i just could cut my wrists here then ah, take away that razor mary you don't have any blood left in those veins anyway nothing but gin someone asked honey get this actress a drink will you get it yourself scandal girl i'm busy well i said to her i said mary if you think i'm going to go to bed with a sister of mine you're out of your mind oh, honey i was so upset with that faggot imagine me with a sissy bitch like her she knows i go for truck drivers when we came into the room they were having a mad sixty-nine party so honey i got undressed and carried on it was simply wild there's a new glory hole over in the bus station and it's grand you can get the best-looking things there why i had four in no time i met the cutest marine there he just got in from korea and was he loaded i wanted to keep him but he had to leave i go out of my mind just thinking about him i met another one later but he wasn't so hot that place is red hot mary you better change your cruising grounds is it i didn't think it was mary that's the hottest place in town my god and it's such a gay place are you sure certainly i'm sure the vice squad practically lives there bunch of bastards they hang around there like a bunch of vultures you know jill 
That big red-faced bitch. She has a face like a wet sponge. He smacked his lips. I can't stand her. She's such an evil thing. Anyway, she was with some sailor. Cute, too, honey. And big. He held his hands out about ten inches apart and heaved a big sigh. She introduced him to me. I took him home with me, and he's been back for curtain calls. Well, the vice squad got Jill. She's been in jail over a month. She don't care. Says she has a mad time in jails. She's been in I don't know how many times. Used to have a cop. Cute thing. But got tired of her. Think they had a fuss over a cab driver. She's really a mess, but damn, she certainly can get the cute things. I don't know how she does it with that face. But she drags home some dreams. I can't do that. That's one thing I simply can't do, and that's cruise. Probably scared of you. You look so tall and talk so manly. Remember the first time I cruised you? They both screamed wildly. I thought you were a piece of rough trade when I asked you for a match. And when you said, Do you want the time to, Heloise? I almost dropped my plate. Girl, as soon as you opened that sissy mouth of yours, I had your number, he said, holding his sides and doubling over with laughter. They both took a big swallow of the bourbon that almost ran over the rim of the glass they were holding. Dance for us, Gilda, someone yelled out. Yes, Claude, I mean Gilda, to your number, baby, echoed in the smoke-filled room. All right, if you insist, Claude laughed, rising from the pillow. That bitch would do her number even if she wasn't asked. I don't know how she's kept still this long. I think she's in heat for Paul's friend, whispered one to the other. I don't have to think so. She's almost got a heart on now. Look. Claude adjusted his trousers. He bent down, almost kissing Gaylord's lips, whispered, This is going to be for you. Gaylord did not answer. He only smiled and gave Paul a quick glance. Claude was very nice, but he sure was a fast worker. He didn't like the expression in the eyes, but he couldn't help it. Pagate on, Jean, Claude said, looking at Jean, who was changing the records on the radio combination. Honey, your mother knows your number. I've already got it, Jean cried, holding up the 12-inch disc. Everyone giggled and clapped their hands. As the music began, Claude, standing in a posed position, kicked off his shoes. Take off your clothes, Claude, a shout rang out. Show those beautiful muscles, screamed another. Okay, he grinned. You ask for it. Claude walked gracefully to the middle of the room. His hands held high above his head. Bringing them down, he began to unbutton the thin sports shirt he was wearing. Lovely, someone yelled with exultation as the shirt opened, showing a smooth and masculine chest covered with a layer of curly black hair. Someone blew out a candle after he had requested it. Another went out, then another, and another until the room was quite dark. With willowy movements, he pulled his shirt from his shoulders, held it a moment, and then let it fall. He ran his hands over his spasmatic chest, circling the upper body with restless gestures, a hand flying up as if to reach the smoke-covered ceiling, then coming down quickly it rested for a second on the buckle of his belt. The other moving arm slid slowly down, helping the other unfasten the narrow strip of leather that circled his slender waist. With a swift jerk, he yanked out the belt, throwing it wildly in the air. He danced around the center of the room, shaking his body, trying to rid it of the heavy burden that shadowed it. Then he stopped. His hands went down quickly to his trousers. Unfastening them, they fell to his feet. With two steps, he was out of them. Now he moved like a ballet dancer. Tenderly, he held out his hands as if he were waving a last goodbye to a lover he would never see again. His swaying figure looked beautiful in the soft candlelight. 
The muscles on his long legs were tense and quivering as he glided on his toes over the soft carpet. Maisie, look at that, whispered Cleo, watching the front of the white silk shorts. I wish that thing would fly out so I could take a good look. He'll take him off. Just be patient. He will? I've never seen him dance before. You've really missed something, dearie. Who does Claude live with? No one. He's a lone queen. He doesn't look like a queen. He's a manly thing, but queer as a snake. Someone else screamed. I can't stand the suspense any longer, Gilda. His hand feeling his own quivering flesh. Take off those shorts before I do. Claude moved and stood in front of Gaylord, his hips rotating and his hands swaying above his head, the bouncing in his shorts jumping up and down. With each bounce, Gaylord just knew he would see what was bouncing behind the thin silk. The thought of Blake came again, stronger than ever. For a moment, his heart beat wildly with anticipation. Then he shied from it, sank back into the sofa. Unfasten them, whispered Claude to him. Me? You, darling. In a trance, Gaylord obeyed. He didn't want to, and yet he reached out and unfastened them. His hands trembled, touching the warm, damp skin. His heart beat furiously as he glided the silk down over the hips, the quivering thighs. An arm from behind tried to draw him back, but it was not strong enough to pull him from the magic that held him. He wanted to free the legs of the flimsy material that held them captive, kept them shaking instead of dancing. There. He let go, and the silk fell to the floor. A strong arm drew him back to the divan, and he went back willing. He stared at the naked body in front of him. It pivoted slowly on its toes, showing the full cheeks of its buttocks, curved back, then again the rising chest, panting stomach. It moved gracefully closer to him. Closer, the tensely drawn legs came, thighs quivering, straining. Desire and fright both rose sharply in Gaylord. Paul didn't wait any longer. He grabbed Gaylord and kissed him long on the lips. A dark shadow blacked out the approaching artful figure, and Gaylord was glad. He closed his eyes, but it was still there. There in his mind, the naked body came closer and closer. Gay, whispered Paul. You don't mind, do you? Gaylord opened his eyes slightly. Paul was there in a blur. No, he said softly. No, Paul. The music stopped as suddenly as it had started. Claude ran from the room. Cleo sucked in his breath appreciatively as Claude's naked torso ran past him. His words were mumbled when he said, Honey, you're marvelous. Can I help you do something? You stay right where you are, whore, laughed Jean. He began to light the candles. Looked at Paul and Gaylord, who were still in each other's arms. My God, get those two. Want to rent a bedroom? He giggled. Or you can have it for nothing if you let me watch. Paul grinned and straightened up, answered with a sheepish grin. Do we need those lights? He turned to Gaylord. I don't think we do. Do you, Gay? Gaylord shook his head and a smile filled his face. He ran his fingers through his hair, pushing back the waves. Claude yelled for his clothes and Jean took them to him. It wasn't too long before he and Jean came back into the room. Guess I'm not his type, snickered Jean. Darling, you were wonderful, the boy said to Paul as he passed. You got me so hot, I feel sorry for my husband tonight. Thanks, said Claude. He came up to Gaylord and again dropped to the pillow, looking up at him, asked, What do you think? Was I too awful? I think you were wonderful too, Gaylord answered. He couldn't resist the temptation in stroking the cheek. Claude smiled back at him triumphantly and caught the hand on his cheek. Just as long as you think so. Paul just sat there. 
From the gleam in that kid's eyes, I'm afraid Paul's going to sleep by himself, someone whispered to Cleo. They watched Claude. It was just a little too obvious, a little snickering. That bitch, Cleo whispered. She's always after someone's trade. I wouldn't trust her with my dog. Can a folly's beauty come in? yelled a feminine voice from behind the front door. There followed several light knocks. Oh, Dusty, screamed Jean. He quickly went to the door and unsnapped the safety latch he had fastened when Claude had begun his dance. It's about time you got here, he said, opening the door. Come on in, girl. Dusty came in. My God, Jean, what have you got in here? The crown jewels? Dusty laughed, looking back at the safety latch. Afraid the law or some piece of rough trade might break in. Or have you got someone in here you don't want to let out? Dusty had on the same dress she wore in the club. You know how it is. A girl can't be too careful, Jean replied, snapping the latch again. Hey, kids, look who's here. Hi, everybody. Dusty laughed and waved her handkerchief at the crowd. They all yelled back at her. Then she turned back to Jean. Looks like a pansy patch in here. So many faggots. She grinned. I hope you don't mind me coming like I am. I didn't have time to change. Honey, right now I'm so drunk and excited. I wouldn't care if you came stock naked. Well, give me time. I took a cab from the club. Anyone else in drag? Dusty asked. No, I don't think so. There might be some naked bodies laying around, Gene laughed, throwing his arms about. Now that you've seen me, peasants, Dusty began in a deep bass voice. You can go back to the things you had your hands on before I came in. Who's going to get this bull dyke a drink? Or am I going to have to get it myself? She yelled. Gaylord looked at Dusty in amazement. The masculine voice was too much for him. Isn't Dusty a girl? he asked. No, did you think so? He's a female impersonator. Did you think he was a girl? I sure did. Dusty came toward him, holding a cigarette and a large glass in the same hand. Hello, Dusty, he grinned. Hello, darling. How's my dream lover getting along? Dusty asked. I see Dracula still has you in his bat-like trance, he looked down at Claude. For Christ's sake, what in the hell are you sweating about? Having hot flashes or something? Dusty ruffled up the sweating boy's short hair. Claude just danced for us. You should have seen him. He was wonderful. Honey, he's not sweating from the dance, Dusty laughed. Are you, Claude? This one starts sweating every time he sees a cute chicken. I've seen this one knock herself out before. He is good. Real good. Move over, Paul. Let a lady sit down. You and Claude have had gay long enough. Go on, move over. Oh, you, Paul uttered. Don't you dare call me nasty names, Paul Boudreau. Paul took his arm from around Gaylord and moved reluctantly. In a friendly voice, he warned, Keep your hands to yourself. Oh, hell, Mary. Dusty grinned, flopping down between Paul and Gaylord. Oh, I'm tired. He brought his glass to his mouth and took a deep drink, then a puff from a cigarette. Tastes good. Ooh. What's the matter, Gay? Nothing. I thought you were a girl. Did you really? I am, darling, he said with a chuckle. Feel. He raised his large bosom so that one breast touched Gaylord's right arm. He laughed when Gaylord drew back. It won't bite, honey. Only rubber. But it feels like the real stuff. Here, feel it. Gaylord giggled as he felt the protruding breasts. Sure does, doesn't it? He said with a grin. This boy knows all about us girls, Dusty said to Paul. You like girls, don't you, Gay? Certainly, don't you? His face turned a deep pink at the personal question. Well, they're all right to cook for or take dancing, but I'd rather have you in bed with me. Gaylord grinned again and was glad Claude asked. Gay, may I speak with you for a minute? Certainly. What? Privately. 
Gaylord was glad to leave for a moment. He said, All right. Don't be a slut, said Dusty to Claude as Gaylord got up from the divan. Look who's talking about being a slut, snapped Claude. Come on, Gay. And Claude led Gaylord from the room. They went into the bathroom and Claude turned the key in the door. What is it, Claude? Gaylord asked. Gay, he said, placing his arms around Gaylord's waist. What do you think of me? Gaylord looked at him puzzled. What do you mean, Claude? I think you're awfully nice, and I like you. Will you come home with me? Let's leave. Claude spoke hurriedly. He pressed himself closely against him. Gaylord didn't mind. Claude was very nice, and he didn't want to hurt his feelings. He didn't separate himself from him, but remained still. Claude moved in closer. His body came to meet the others, and Gaylord felt a stiffness against his groin. He could feel it pressing hard and big against him as he took him into his arms. Their mouths met. Gaylord woke up. Don't, Claude, don't. He pushed away the hand that had groped his body. Sorry, Gay. I want you so badly, Claude whispered, kissing his ear. We'd better go. Look, whispered Claude, glancing down at the front of his trousers. Gaylord didn't have to look. He knew without looking. That's your worry, sputtered Gaylord. Let's go. Don't leave me, cried Claude. I've got to, he said, unlocking the door. He stood there for a moment, turned back and kissed Claude, held him in his arms for one brief moment. I like you, Claude. I like you very much. But, he turned again and left. All eyes followed him when he re-entered the room and sat down beside Paul. They smiled at each other, but neither said a word. In fact, the whole room was dead silence. I'll sing you a number of someone will play for me, screamed Dusty, trying to break the tenseness. He walked over to the piano. Come on, Jean, play for me, whore. Claude came into the room. I'm in no condition to play, cried Jean. But Claude is. Play for Dusty, Claude. Claude tried to grin. All right. What's it going to be? Sing something, dirty honey. I'm feeling nasty and evil, screamed someone. Come on, Jenny Lind, start belching, cried a high voice. Okay, you faggots, be quiet. A golden throat is going to sing for you. He shook the long net skirt that fell over a slip of green satin. Taking the long handkerchief from under the jewel-studded belt, he waved it at the group. Everyone laughed again. Quiet, he bellowed, or I'll shove these tits right down your throats. Would that be bad? screamed another. Well, there are better things, cried Dusty. Paul looked at Gaylord. Are you all right, Gay? he asked. Yes, are you? I am now. Claude began to play a fast number, and Dusty screamed out words. Not the words written for the song, but his own version, which was quite different. Gay, let's go, let's go to my apartment, whispered Paul. I should go back to the hotel. Later, huh? But I want you to see my place. I'd like to see your place. Dusty's loud singing filled the room. His hand ran through Claude's hair down over his shoulders. Claude laughed back at him, his hands flying over the keyboard in a wild and reckless manner. Dusty was drunk, and the vile words poured forth, getting louder and more insulting. The sheer material in his hand was now nothing but long strips of silk which he still waved furiously. More high shrill voices, wild screams, followed by a grunt slap that came from the left corner, then a scream. Get your damn hands off my husband, you bitch. Don't call me a bitch, you freak-looking old auntie, someone screamed back. The two were on each other, screaming, biting, scratching, pulling hair and cursing. More laughs and yells followed. Freak it up, freak it up, hit him, screamed Dusty. Let's go, Gaylord said to Paul in a frightened voice. All right, let's. 
they left quickly without saying a word to anyone. End of chapter 17. Recording by Kurt Troutwine.